Hello everyone. This is Tribecast Pilot episode 3 and my name is Marina. Do you know what's common between investments, marketing, design and coding? The thing is that specialists in all these fields were my guests this week. Also, they were coaching during Red Brick Accelerator. Let me remind you that it has been three weeks of Accelerator for now and next Friday we're having the demo day. For information on that, check out our Facebook pages. So, today I'd like to provide you with a set of very diverse interviews. You're listening to Tribecast, powered by Tribe Tampere. Don't switch off your devices and let's get started. During the first week of Red Brick Accelerator, one of the early-stage startups told me that the main problem they face is looking for the funds. So today we are trying to solve this problem and we're having Dr. Umur Kaglar, who will tell us a bit about funding and investments. Hello. Hello. have so many questions, basically because I know nothing about investments. Sure, sure. Maybe we'll start here. As an investor, what do you usually look on when you choose which startup to finance? Mm-hmm. What are your main like parameters? Yeah, I can talk about uh, in general terms because yeah. as I mentioned uh, during the presentation, we are more into the this, let's say, created uh, investor section we are doing for the financial reason. So we don't act in the same way like the angel investors or the uh, venture capitalists, how they kind of formulate the business, uh, formulate the investment. Does the field startup works in influences your choice? I know there is this kind of idea that usually IT startups, they're the ones to get more luck. Would you invest in something which is not IT? Yeah, sure. Of course. I mean, uh, like I said, for the Uh, why it is invested a lot for the IT industry because of the companies that are uh, exist in the field as a financial intermediary, let's say, which is angel investors and uh, this uh, venture capitalists. So they have kind of an idea that smaller size investments, but many of them, and then one of them will have a return for sure. So that's why, just an example, if you have a 1 million euro, instead of putting that one to one idea, You put it for the uh, 10 different com- companies, which is large enough sum to uh, keep things running as 100,000 each. So we hope that one of them will gonna work and then pay back uh, mil- more than million. So basically, uh, that's one of the opposite direction. If they are failed, that's the amount kind of uh, you are risking. And uh, that, that's how the maybe some of the organization would like to uh, run the business. But for us, it's a different uh, reason. We, we invest a very high amount and then uh, not necessarily to the IT or any, let's say, industry specific. I mean, you, my perspective in this business is a little bit different than the uh, angel investors because of the nature of the work that I am doing. So, I mean, we, we look more for a financial return and uh, For our uh, point of view, this normal um, ticket size uh, is around 5 to 10 million euro as a minimum investment. So Let's think that we've got the money. What shouldn't startup on early stage spend on, business-like? I see lots of people are, uh, in order to create uh, the branding, let's say, they spend so much time. I'm not saying, I mean, just not to be bad guy for the marketing uh, organization, marketing agency's point of view, but... Uh, spending so much time to the, I mean, I don't know, like banners or the fairs just with a very high cost just to be present there. Uh, maybe in the early stage, it is not a 
best place to waste money you know you know rather uh, of course from product point of view from the service point of view how to build up that one is in a better way uh, that that's very important so you spend more money basically on building up those ideas i mean if you are looking for a prototype how to make the prototype uh, where to get the goods and how to uh, make a good deals uh, because as you know high volume producers might not be interested with your low orders the low quantity orders so in order to go be- beyond this limit maybe you offer a little bit more than actually uh, the unit price of the stuff that they have defined so there you can spend money then uh, putting Uh, better uh, flyers or some other documentation that you can hand out to the people basically it is like throwing to the street you know i, I think uh, in in the early stage it has to be more into the business focus itself rather than representing your business to the outside world doesn't matter you call it like a marketing or a flyer or the fair attending to fairs or anything okay so make a quality product instead of making cool banners mm-hmm. could you give our listeners a few tips on financial discipline mm-hmm. as i said uh, during the presentation i mean you have to separate the business finance and the personal fi- finance i mean from credit card point of view for the bank accounts and everything those needs to be clearly uh, separated so you shouldn't uh, spend any money uh, from the personal card for the business purposes you have to be uh, clear on that and then you have to control all the time uh, the receivables and the payables whatever you have i mean like it's standard t account uh, accounting you know what i pay what i receive uh, from the industry and then of course you have to be careful also like where to find the alternative uh, investment constantly i mean again just my personal opinion startup must know how to attract 25 50 100,000 uh, euros or uh, american dollar or swiss franc doesn't matter what currency is to those uh, amount uh, easily i mean at least they should spend more time for finding out where those platform exist so financial discipline it goes more of course from the, your own spending point of view business spending but at the same time checking the the existing opportunities where to get more help let's say to to be more sustainable in the industry do you generally think it's a good time nowadays to start a startup in finland especially yeah i think it's uh, let's say it's always good time to start uh, a good idea and then uh, invest for it but what can be wrong is that the timing and the location maybe for example i mean the pulp and paper industry is dying in here maybe it's not a good time to start in that business but ai is growing or the robotics or the 5g for example that can be at the right moment to start for that that uh, industry i mean it's all about uh, let's say timing in my point of view than the if the idea is good or if the starting a company is a good i mean person should uh, answer this question uh, by him or herself if they have enough uh, capital enough idea enough supply chain enough network to uh, either supply the goods and to sell the goods uh, or the service so they will make their own homework on that i can just look at starting from the global perspective and going more into the uh, regional perspective and if we see the global perspective point of view 
2018 wasn't a very good year. 19 expected to be a little bit high risk uh, also. So maybe in so some certain industry, let's say, high investment uh, related, let's say, maybe not be a good year because everyone would like to be a little bit more in the defensive strategy, not to spend so much for their own uh, businesses by the time being. It can be changed six months uh, or one year later, you, you know, it's a global economy. So, In your opinion, what stops startups from becoming big and successful? Of course, I mean, the people have a good, uh, again, the idea team and uh, the, the founding, uh, for sure, and the execution, how to uh, control and manage this thing and having the right uh, time, let's say timing. Those are the things that, you know, are first of all very crucial to be more successful. Having again short-term plans, but stay as long as possible in the field. Because rule of thumb, again, in the books uh, or in any investment authority, as a financial investor, again, I'm, I would like to clarify there. Rule of thumb, number one rule, 80% of the startups, they die in next three years. So basically, you have to go over that barrier first. So you have to do from financial point of view as uh, as good as possible in the first three years. Then if you can able to achieve uh, the the year fourth. So then after that, uh, you look for five and then 10. And then story goes until 200 years, like some lucky companies in the world, which is about 5,500 organization, which has more than 200 years history. Probably you will be one of those, hopefully. Okay, thank you very much. There was Dr. Umur Kaglar, who told us that not only love, but some of the startups live for three years. Thank you very much for uh, having me in here and uh, wish all the best uh, for the startups more than more than three or five or ten years. Thank you. Now let's talk about marketing and its role for the early stage startups. Hello. My name is Alexey Hapeki and I've worked in quite a few startups so far, so Actually, in 2013, I joined my first startup, but before that, I played the poker semi-professionally. And yeah, then I transitioned into startups at, in 2013. And after that, I've worked in quite a few startups. So I usually say that I've worked in five plus startups, which means that I've worked in five startups for longer than a couple of months. I've worked with numerous other startup companies and then bigger companies and projects and I've done some voiceovers even for some video games and stuff like that, you know. So I've done quite a bit of different things, I would say. You were a coach today during the Red Brick Accelerator. Is it your first experience of being a coach on an accelerator? So I've been a coach for a couple of accelerators and then, well, a couple of accelerators and a couple of events. Back in the day, I saw saw some presentations from some people who were quite highly regarded mm-hmm. in, in startups and I found them to be, some of them to be extremely boring. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I could do better. Right. And then now I'm trying to prove that I'm doing better. And hopefully I am. I love these kind of stories when people are like, okay, those are not good. <laughs> I can do better. And then you're doing it. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's how it all started. Yeah, I watched your session today, at least a good part of it. You talked about transformation marketing. Could you please say a few words for our listeners? What is transformation marketing? So transformational marketing is thinking about marketing differently. So a lot of companies and 
And startups even think about marketing in terms of getting a transaction from their customer. So it's about selling pretty much. While transformational marketing thinks about marketing as a way to take your customer forward in their journey. And then when you take your customer forward in their journey, what usually happens is that they end up buying from you. So the transformation can begin before they purchase anything or even before they sign up for your service. But they do get the the benefits of the transformation, at least after they buy your product. Does transformational marketing has any milestones, like main principles? So I would say the main principle is kind of thinking about where your customers are at and or your prospective customers are at and think, taking them towards where they want to go and where you want them to be. For example, if you think about the normal transactional marketing and they're just asking you to buy now, then that is taking the person that already wants to buy and is ready to buy towards buying. While transformational marketing, it might be someone who's interested but isn't sure if they want to buy or not and isn't inter- and someone who might not be interested or someone who might not know that they even need this kind of service. So it's about connecting the parts of your product and service that actually inspire people to go forward in that journey towards, you know, uh, becoming customers because that's when you can best serve them. Right. So you see marketing as a road or as a journey. But I also quite often hear that in Finland, all sales and all business is about relationship. First of all, is it true? Is in Finland all the business pretty much about relationship? And secondly, if it is true, how would you recommend international startups to hack this model? Is there a way? Well, I wouldn't say it's just Finland where it's about relationships. I think that's all over the world where it's relationship-based I will at least if you think about B2B that that's where it even like seems to be more prevalent. So, I would say it's all over the world where business is relationship based. It's about like maybe in Finland it's more about that relationship that for a foreigner it might be di- more difficult to come in, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Because if you have the right product and, and something that actually, you know, does what it's supposed to and goes beyond that, then those people will want to interact with you. And would you generally recommend to start a business nowadays in Finland? Do you think it's a good location and the good time? Probably if you're starting a startup, you're not thinking about that too much. I would. I mean, like if if you're really passionate about something, then I think you would go ahead with it. So there are people that actually dissuade people from starting startups because they think that that's how the actual entrepreneurs come out. That the people who don't give up the first time they're told, you know, you shouldn't do this. Because people are always going to tell you it's not the right time, you know, it's not going to work. And a lot of other other things that are going to dissuade you from starting your startup. So I think Finland is a really good place to start your startup. I mean, there's a big ecosystem here that, you know, is you can't find in many places. And in your opinion, what is the main problem that startups face What stops them from becoming big and successful? So the main problem that startups have, well, yeah, just choosing one is quite difficult, but... You can choose several. I'll I'll just go with this one. They start with ideas that are in in the founder's head. I think that's problematic because 
those the idea doesn't always match with the market. And when that end, ends up happening, you know, often the founder or the founding team doesn't do enough research to actually realize that before the product's built, before they've put all this time and effort into the startup. And what is the main key for success for a young business? So the main key for, for a young business would be, of course, trying to find, find what it is actually that has the two things that people are actually interested in being served in that market. So they're interested in buying or using that service. And then what the business actually stands for and what it was founded for so that then you can have that crossover between those two. For a person, it would be like what you want to do and then what you could get paid for. In a startup, it's similar what what kind of values the company has, what they want to achieve, and then what people are looking for, and then crossing those two. Okay, thank you for this opinion. Say, I start a small business. Do I need to hire someone in the marketing? Shall I do the reading myself? Can I have someone doing it part-time? Or if I'm early-stage startup, can I just concentrate on producing the product and do with the marketing later? So I think every founder has to take charge of the marketing to some level. If you're starting a sales organization, you have to, or something that where you have to sell, you have as a founder and as a CEO, you have to take care of the sales. And I think marketing is no different. You have to at least understand a lot of it. Like one of my strengths is understanding the basics of programming. And that makes me really good to work with programmers. So if you understand the basics of marketing, and you can do some of that legwork in the beginning. It doesn't need to be very complicated marketing in the beginning for the founder. But if you can do some of that basic marketing, you know, and also testing out the product hypothesis, then it's going to be much easier when you bring another person in. And I think there's no set time on when to bring that other person in. But I would say the earlier, the better, because usually when companies ask me to join they're like, we have this product, now we need to market it. And then the first thing is to figure out if people actually want the product. So now our listeners have to think if their product is well marketed and if not, start doing something about it straight away. And I can only thank you, Alexey, for the interview today. Thank All you right. for being with us and for joining Red Brick Accelerator. Thank you very much. Hello, Tatiana. Can I ask you first to tell a few things about yourself, your background, uh, first of all, hello. Uh, it was really nice to be here. My background is a UX UI designer, and uh, I have started my my career uh, back in '97. And I was starting as a graphic designer, and when I moved to Finland, I switched from graphic design to user interface design and uh, UX. And uh, there was at some point that I had my own company, uh, I Minimi. And um, I was uh, making a, a game for um, iOS devices like iPhone and iPad. And eventually I turned up to be part of some uh, startups as an independent uh, UI designer. And now currently I'm working at a company, the NeuroEvent Labs, and I am the lead UX UI designer. During your presentation, which I partially watched today, uh, you talked about the importance of context. Could you please comment on that? Uh, what we discussed actually today, it was about design thinking. It is a process that helps uh, not only designers, but I think everyone who would like to find a solution to a specific problem follow 
uh, a couple of specific steps, which they don't have to be necessarily in a linear mode, but nevertheless, they can be partially done and then um, you could always go back and fix them. So basically, uh, the design thinking, it is a method, it is a methodology uh, that it is based on solutions. Uh, it has like a solution-based approach, not a problem-self approach. It is quite common and quite many companies, big companies, they use it. So we talked about the importance of design thinking and how they, it could be implemented in the startups. I heard that you also talked about feelings. Usually when I think of business, starting a business, I have this idea that business person should be like cold-headed, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But do you still need feelings when you're, you're doing your business? Yeah, uh, I think the whole idea behind it, when I, when I talk about feelings, it is mostly because we tend to forget, especially like you said, when it comes to business, we tend to forget that we try to sell something to a person. And we tend to see that person as like a, like a strange entity that we say, okay, it is a user. And usually when we use the word user, we don't think that we try, we are talking about a person who has feelings, a person who make irrational decisions or who can make uh, clear decisions or wrong decisions or people who are buying things because they just want to buy them without actually thinking about why I bought this. So my my single approach, I would say, because um, uh, when it comes to UX, to user experience, uh, we really need to pay attention to people. And we tend to forget that because mostly because we don't have enough money or enough time. And we try always when it comes to business to do it so that we spend as, uh, let's say, the find the simplest solution or the cheapest solution and we don't actually think about the person who is going to use that and that it is a little bit in my mind I think this is a little bit um, let's say not the best approach that someone could have because if you do not know for whom you are designing and you cannot fully understand them and you cannot fully empathize with them then how will you be ever be able to create a product that they would like to buy Okay. In your opinion, um, is marketing more about I get an idea and I will influence the client in the market and they will buy it? Or is it more like I will research the market and find what people want and then sell it to them? That depends what you want to do. I mean, um, get the sales. (laughs) If you want to get the sales, then you have to understand what the people need. Right. So first you have to actually understand what, first you have to understand or find out or define what it is the problem you try to solve. So if you, if you, if you do not have a clear solution or if you haven't defined a clear problem about anything, then how you can understand if someone actually needs this? How do you find the balance? How, how do you as a, not you, you, but like mm-hmm. a young startup or, yeah. or young entrepreneur finds the balance between... I have my own way of doing things. I know what I want to do. And, okay, there are wise guys, experienced coaches or someone telling me how should I do it. Mm -hmm. How do you balance those two? Where is the truth? I think the truth lies somewhere in between. And it is a very tricky question because I don't believe there is one correct answer. If you are a startup and uh, you don't 
know or you do not have the experience, you tend to rely on people who have the experience and you follow them or you follow their advice. And I think this is quite normal. And once you start having your own experience, you can make some decisions by yourself. And this is where you actually grow as a person and entrepreneur as well to be able to find the balance. But I think at the beginning, it is not so easy to do. I mean, for any profession, not only for a startup, but if you're doing any profession whatsoever. What's the most common reason that stops startups from becoming big and successful? I think they quit sooner than they're supposed to. They get frustrated. And that's also understandable because if you do not have the resources, if you do not have the time, very often you can start second guess your own self and say, does it really worth it what I'm trying to do? I truly believe that if you keep going and going and going, eventually you will be successful. Success doesn't come with one or two tries. You just have to push when everyone stops. Okay, thank you for your answers. And basically, I have one last question. Sure. Do you think it's a good time nowadays in Finland to start a business of your own? Or are we in some kind of crisis and it's better to wait? Hmm. I think since, um, I don't know how many years ago we had this uh, Nokia it can be like in six this years century, in this century at some point yeah uh, I think we we started to have like small businesses uh, small businesses here in Finland and uh, it was the way I said it was a good thing because it could help people to create what actually they wanted to create but not all of them they could become successful if someone really believes and they want to do something like I said you need to have perseverance and you have to overcome all the odds which are not easy. In that case, I would say, follow your heart. If you really want to do it, and if you really want to start up your own business, do it. Worst case scenario, it will be, maybe your business is not going to be successful, but you will be successful in gaining experience and and knowledge that otherwise you wouldn't have gotten. That's all. (laughs) Okay, I think I understood you right. Thank you very much, Tatiana, for your interview and for being a part of Red Brick Accelerator this week. Thank you very much for inviting me. Actually, it was really nice to be part of that. Thank you. Does one have to be born to code? My next guest will try to ruin this myth. Hello? I'm Ville Ilkkala. I'm the managing director of Vala Technologies, which is a Tampere-based deep tech startup founded uh, early last year. Our team has been working together even longer since like late 2015, early 2016. And we are basically working on a, on a protocol level innovations to make software development easier, more accessible and simpler. We are trying to reduce complexity from software development. I know that here in Tribe you have some kind of programming school. Can you... Yeah, so I actually do a few different types of uh, programming training. First of all, I do mainly with um, immigrants and asylum seekers from Tampere Aikuiskoulutuskeskus daily session, two hours, where I teach people who don't have any programming background how to build web applications. They have. I've been run, running this for a, a bit more than a half a year now. So I have a um, few groups that have sort of graduated, if you can call it that. It takes six weeks every, like, 
the, each group is six weeks and uh, the newest one started on Monday actually. So that's like half of a part validation to our platform and testing and I'm, I'm studying how like what are the barriers for people from uh, uh, that prevent them from learning software development at the same time it's also a bit like a sort of voluntary work that I do a couple hours a day yeah then there are other workshops for example today with the red brick accelerator we had one what was your today's session about well i tried to give like the the condensed version of the six week <laughs> program that I have for these non-programmers. Uh, so there's this kind of a myth that you are either born to be a programmer or you're not. People think that you can learn almost everything except programming, which you have to be kind of gifted with. And I'm trying to prove that wrong. I, I think that 50 years old is exactly as good time to start learning how to program than, than five years old is. So what we tried to do in this today's session, which was only two hours, was to give these participants the feeling that they actually can create something in a relatively short period of time. So we jumped over a lot of theoretical stuff and basic like theory and so on, and we just did a chat application basically so everyone managed to program how can the startups will be able to use what they learned from your today's session there's a lot of benefits in learning how to write even smaller programs outside the fact that you can then build small programs one, like there's this saying that every company is a tech company, even no matter what you are doing. And the red brick startups are doing food stuff and delivery stuff and all sort of stuff. One thing that you can do is you can collaborate and work much better with software developers when you actually have a basic sense of what is it that they are doing. Again, going back to the myth of this this godlike software developer working in a black box that then sometimes ejects some sort of functioning things and then you have no idea what they did and when they try to explain it to you you're like well uh, this is, makes no <laughs> no sense so i'm trying to kind of break break that myth but obviously in 2 hours you will not be given the tools that are enough for you to just go out there and start start building stuff but it's kind of like the seed for you to be interested to learn more and uh, and so on and they are very welcome to join like i invited all of them to to join the sessions because it's free and open for everyone to two hours i'm 10 to 12 every day i'm i'm teaching so anyone who is interested is is welcome to join i always thought that it is easier and more useful for a startup not to learn coding themselves but to invite a professional like maybe a part-time professional to do all the coding and programming what do you think of that i mean in an accelerator like this one you are given a tutorial or like you are giving the introduction to growth hacking and marketing and customer relations and financing and looking for funding and doing sales and uh, all this stuff, like there's a whole a range of stuff. Again, going back to the mid, why would the programming be then this this weird little thing that you are not supposed to poke around with? Obviously, startup founders 
even especially in the early stages, they don't have necessarily the resources to hire a professional. And on the other hand, there's only 21 million software developers, according to Gartner, in the whole world. So there's a a limited supply of potential co-founders that are just uh, willing to quit their job in a high-paying consultant's company and just coming to work uh, on your startup idea. Uh, I always think like it does not hurt to understand what software development is about, for example. And if you are really interested, then you obviously can study more and 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 actually build your the stuff yourself i i heard quite a lot of these um, scenarios where startup has idea that has a very much to do with tech so for example you have might, might have some sort of therapy application you're a bunch of of, of speech therapists therapists for example and then you come up with an idea of building an app that will scale and all do all this stuff and then y- you have all the substance knowledge and then you get a developer on board like or you hire a consultant company to, to build you the mvp and then suddenly the consultant company got some bigger job or they decided to raise the, raise their prices or your uh, one of the main problems in in software development is that the requirements keep on changing and 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 the startup founders might sometimes seem a bit irrational when they are just testing things out and some stuff doesn't work and they want to push forward or they decide to pivot and then the software development consultancy companies they're like no i don't want to (laughs) want to go any further on this and then you basically have wasted a, a bunch of money and you don't actually have the product you need. Thank you very much for interview, Willy, and for being us today on Redbrook Accelerator and I know that you have one more session next week. Yeah. So, yeah, see you next week. Cool, thanks. This was it for today. I hope you had a great time listening to our podcast episode as well as learned something new for yourself. This was Tribecast by Tribe Tampere. My name is Marina. Have a great weekend and we'll meet next week. Stay warm and tuned.